Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for who you are. You are awesome. You are awesome, Father. In eternity alone, we will understand how awesome you are, O oh God. You are awesome. You are awesome. You are awesome, Lord. You are awesome. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father. We just thank you. This morning, Father, we commit ourselves into thy hands, O oh Lord. You said you don't have to ascend to heaven or go to the depths of the sea. Because what can save you, that word is very near. It's in your heart. And you believe and confess with your mouth. Today we believe, Lord. We believe and we confess with our mouth. Jesus is Lord of our every situation, Lord. Lord over every situation. The same God who breathed over Adam. Who breathed over his disciples, I pray, will breathe over his people, the breath of life. Breathe, Father, breathe. Jesus, breathe. Breathe, Jesus, breathe over your people. So even if you didn't hear the prayer, you can hear the word. And we shall pray again. We go to Revelation chapter 3. Remember, we are looking at the church. But which church Jesus had? Nothing good to say. It's a terrible indictment. We turn to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And 16, actually. To the church of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things say, The Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So he is... The final word is the Amen. If he says it, that is what it is. He is faithful. He will never lie to us. And when he is telling us something, it's a true witness. Because when you go onto the witness stand, you are supposed to swear that you will speak only the truth. So when God speaks about somebody or a church, it's the absolute truth. Okay, and he says the beginning of the creation. That's why we have to be careful with this particular church. And the first thing he says is, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish, I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, Poor, blind, and naked. Verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed. That the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyes many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. So if you go to verse 
15 and 16, you will see Jesus diagnoses the problem with this church. The church has got a problem. Okay, This church has a problem. What is the problem? They are lukewarm. Okay, They are lukewarm, which means they have lost their fire. And we do not realize when we lose our fire, our zeal for God, what it causes to us, and how does God look at that church or an individual. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 13 and verse 21 and 22, when Israel is leaving Egypt. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Then when you come to Genesis, uh, Exodus 14, you have their enemy coming in, in verse 19 and 20, and then verse 24, you will see 14. And the angel of the Lord who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went before them and stood between them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that one did not come near the other all that night. So you will see there was a separation. The separation was made by two things. One it was made by the cloud, and the other it was made by the fire. These are two things. Okay. And then in Leviticus, or let's go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 and verse 12. Jesus says, Indeed, I, John the Baptist say, I baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Then he says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Two things, okay? One is the power part. Okay, the Holy Spirit, the person. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, he will baptize you with fire. And in Revelation with this church, you will see they have lost their fire. They have lost their fire. And then he says, in yeah, don't go there. Uh, verse 12, he says, this, he says, his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly cleanse out his threshing floor and gather his wheat in the barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Okay, so there is this threshing floor. Threshing floor is where the the judgment takes place. In the old days, in the threshing floor, we're usually on the side of the mountains where the wind is. Because remember, so the wind comes and they throw it up. Even these days in the rural areas, they do they throw it up. Once the oxen have ground in the threshing floor, and it is thrown up. When the wind is there, the shaft flows away and the wheat is gone. First, there is a separation by the wind. And then there is a gathering of the wheat into the barn and the shaft into the fire. Okay? So we need to realize threshing floor. The church is also a threshing floor. It was when the oxen reached Aruna's threshing floor, that's when the oxen stumbled. And suddenly you see one man, though the ark had been in his house all those years, he had never been separated in his heart to God. So he reached out and touched the ark and he died. Okay, because that is the thing. We are in the threshing floor of God. We are hearing the word of God 
and the whole purpose of that we will be able to identify and God will show us to remove the wheat and the chaff. Separation has to take place. Okay, there we grow stronger to stronger from faith unto faith. So the key thing here is the fire. And what we'll see is that God says you have become lukewarm. He says, be cold, because being cold is a man in the world. He has much hope of being saved. Much hope of being saved. You will see, you will look like, if you look at Jonah, he's a lukewarm prophet. He's not a prophet who's on fire for God like Elijah. He's a lukewarm prophet. So at the end of the story of book of Jonah, you will see the ones who have hope are the people of Nineveh who were cold, and not Jonah who was lukewarm. So God is saying, be cold, be in the world in the cold. Who knows, somebody hears the word and he repents and he turns to God just like that. But the problem is, oh, be on fire for me. But the fellow who is lukewarm, the person who is lukewarm, okay, we use the word nominal, okay, lukewarm is a very dangerous place to be in because you know what, you just die living, okay. So when a person loses his zeal or fire, he loses three things which fire actually does, three primary things which fire actually does. One, fire gives you light. Fire gives you light. Okay, remember, Jesus was able to open the eyes of his disciples for them to see him because first their hearts were on fire when he spoke to them. A lot of people are not able to see because when they hear the word, there is no fire in their hearts. Therefore, they are not able to see. They are not able to see. If there is no fire, because this is basically, there is some fire going on inside. Light is a result of fire. If there is no fire, there is no light. And if there is no light, we still remain in darkness. So the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't see first. They burned first. Okay, they burned first. When they heard the word of God, their hearts were burning within. And then God was able to open their eyes. But if the fire doesn't come, there is no light. So fire first brings light. Okay. Second thing fire brings is it brings heat. They said, didn't our hearts burn? The hearts burn. It brings heat. Okay. Because we need all these things. Okay. I think, forgot, was it Wesley? The one who said about, you know, Set him, he said, all I asked Lord is to set me on fire and let the world see me. That's all. Okay, the world see me. And these are all pictures. That is what turned uh, Moses back to God. Because he saw a bush that was burning, but it was not being consumed. Okay, that is the fire that is God is talking about. Okay, so you will see the first thing the light, uh, fire does it, it brings light. The second thing it burns. Okay, it brings that or your heart burns. And the third thing is that fire consumes. So everything that is dross, everything that is dross in us, the fire consumes. So three things. Okay, because, but if you take the fire out of a person or of a church, all these three things will start ceasing. One, there is no light. Yeah, there is no light. You may be hearing the word, but there is no light because there is no fire. Second, there is no heat. There is no hearts burning, no zeal. Okay, about Jesus, the Bible says the zeal for the of Father's house consumed. So you will see people have no zeal. No, I mean, people have no zeal for the things of God because you cannot live without light. You cannot live without fire. A person who lives without fire is a dead man. 
You cannot live without faith. There are certain things which God has put into action, the laws. Okay, so you will see that uh, everybody has fire. If you do not have fire, either you are dead or you are mad. Okay, either you are dead or you are mad. It is not possible for you not to have fire. Only question is, what does the fire do to you? Okay, so. First thing, fire brings light, it brings heat. Third, it consumes. And when an individual or a church loses his fire, they start losing all three. So in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12 and 13. 12 and 13. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. And I believe one of the things that Eli put Samuel in charge was to see the fire never went out. The others were not interested. Okay, they were not. They were more interested in the offering that was coming in to take it to the house. But Samuel was more concerned about the fire not going out. Okay, and that's when the Lord speaks to him as a little boy. Okay, something that is physical, something that is physical. Okay, so that's what the thing is. And people don't realize it. You know, these are see everywhere. Everywhere it comes from listening. Everything has got to do with listening. What will what will man do if God doesn't speak to him? God doesn't speak. So, but God speaks. God says all of creation is speaking. God speaks. But the question is, is the man listening? Okay. What will a woman do if a man doesn't speak to him, her? Because the woman has to listen to the man. The man is the vessel through which God speaks to the woman. What happens to the children if the father doesn't speak to them? What happens to the sheep if the shepherd doesn't speak to them? See, God has put certain laws. Okay, and that's how it functions. Okay, so the issue is that when Satan spoke to Eve, Adam kept quiet. That is the issue. The issue is not Eve was deceived. The issue was Adam was not deceived and he kept quiet. He didn't speak. He didn't speak. The man did not speak. When the man did not speak, he allowed the woman to be deceived and he went along with her deception. That's that's where the issue comes in. So you have to realize everywhere this is how it works. So here God says the fire should never go out. Okay, so the question is, what do I do to see the fire doesn't go out? We have this, the, the pinnacle of the chapter of the book of Genesis is of course chapter 22. That is where we have the cross coming in. Okay, where you have a father and a son going up the mountain. In 22, verse 7 and 8, there is this question Isaac asks. Isaac asks this very important question. He says, Father, uh, he spoke to, uh, to his Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and here he said, Here I am, my son. We have to look at all these pictures, okay? You have to look at all these pictures because you, you know, we will go, we'll jump into Genesis 37, and the father says, uh, and the son says, Here I am. But the problem is when the son asks, there is no father who says, Here I am. So the sons and the daughters are taught by their peers because the fathers are not there. Here is a son 
who is asking a question, a very relevant question. And the father is there. He's not an absentee father. He's the present father. He's the father says, here I am. And the question he asks is that, you know what? Look, the fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two of them went together. And this is those important stages in life where children will ask a thousand questions. And never discourage them. Never discourage them. Because they will ask so many questions they will ask. Okay, and it is the job of the fathers to answer this. The son is asking a question. There is fire, there is wood, where is the? And the father gives the answer. He says, Lord himself will offer. Now we know God offered his son. We know what it means. God offered its son. So now God's part is over. Now it is our part. Now it is our part. Okay, now we change the whole scene around. And therefore in Romans 12 and verse 1, Apostle Paul will say, In the light of God's, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. What is the greatest act of God's mercy? He gave his son. Now what should you do? You should present your bodies a living sacrifice. Okay, your body. So where is the sacrifice? The question Isaac asked is, where is the sacrifice? The answer now is, here I am. Here I am. Okay, and the question is, where is the wood? Where is the wood? And the next question is, you don't have, have to worry about the fire. You offer your body and you see the wood is there. The fire will fall. Because this is a fire that comes from the Holy Spirit. The fire will fall. So in Proverbs 26 and verse 20, this is a question that is asked. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. So that is what God is talking. First, there is a fire that is lit and the wood has to be constantly being fed. Constantly. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. And you will see, one of the first things that God does in his creation for man, is he makes the trees. He makes the trees. It is from the trees that the wood comes. In the Garden of Eden, you see the trees growing. The purpose of the tree is not just to provide fruit, but after a point, it provides the wood for the fire. Okay, so what you will see, when you come to Noah's ark, the entire ark is built by wood. Built by wood. It's a cassia wood. Okay. And the Ark of the Covenant is built by wood. Okay. And even the altar of the offerings, it is built by wood. With the inside, it is inlaid with bronze. So ultimately, if you look at it, Jesus bore and died nailed on wood. Nailed on wood. Because where there is no wood, the fire will burn out. So the simple question which he asked, Isaac asked, is still there. Where is the sacrifice? Here I am. Where is the fire? It will fall. The question is, where is the wood? In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone decides to come after me, let him deny himself. That is a sacrifice. Okay? Himself. And second, 
take up his cross, that is the word, and follow me. Okay, because uh, in Jack and Jamshedpur, the young people had so many questions about us. I said, you need to understand, um, when we talk about the flesh, when you talk about the flesh, you know, flesh is basically the self. Okay. The flesh which is in the body, it's, it's, it's what you call it, it's twin in the soul is self. Okay. How will you know your flesh is strong? Because when you touch flesh, the self will project. Self will project. Okay, self-help project. So God is telling the first thing you need to do is start deny yourself. Deny yourself. And the second thing he says is bring the wood. The cross is the wood. And the second, third thing is that keep the fire burning. Okay? Keep the fire burning. Now remember, this is spiritual. Okay? If you, if you go to, back to Revelation chapter 3 and verse 18, a clue is given. Okay, a clue is given. I counsel you to buy. Okay, so we, this is something that God does not give it to us. We have to buy from Him. Okay, buy from Him. Three things are we are called to buy. We look at, leave the two. We look only at one. Buy from me gold. But where, what kind of gold? Not unrefined. Refined in fire. That's the key. He says, you have to buy gold that is refined in fire. The question is, how do I buy? How do I buy from God? In Isaiah 55, verse 1, we, we will not we just look at it just casually. We'll look at it under 55, 1. Isaiah 55. Oh, everyone who th- thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. The question is, if I don't have money, how can I buy? How can I buy? And eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Okay. So the, you, you need to realize you will meet in life people who are actually poor, but do, who have self-respect. Like if they come to your house and they say, I'm hungry. And I said, can I give you something? And they will say, yes, but I will work for it. I will work for it. Okay, tell me something to do, I will do it, and then you can give me the food or whatever you want to do. Okay, because they know there's nothing free in life. There's no free in life. They will work for it. So you know, you may not be able to buy. You will not be able to buy it. Yet, Bible says you can buy it. Okay, so he says, buy from me gold that is refined in fire. If you go to First Peter, Chapter 1 and verse 17, or 7 I think, or 7, yeah. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, glory, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we need to find that what God is talking about. He says, your faith has to be tested. You have to have faith that has come through fire. Otherwise, you will not know it is genuine. 
it is it is it is not genuine like i said the most important thing on this side of earth is faith the most important thing on that side of earth is love but if we can put both together it is an awesome thing so when we talk but again i try to make it simple every time when we use this word it's become a theological word it's not a theological word it's a relationship word when you use the word faith it actually means trust in all relationships you will realize one of the most important factors is trust 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 that's why our faith must be tested the disciples will cry lord increase our faith but you cannot your faith cannot be increased unless it is tested unless it is tested that's why job says as you know you test man every moment the whole purpose of testing is do you really trust me and after 10 times god was tired with this relationship every time you i prove to you i can be trusted in the most impossible situations if you look at them if you look at the history of israel how they came out of egypt every situation is impossible impossible and in every situation god proved that he could be trusted but they kept on saying can god can god can god can god said okay fine you don't trust me you are unfaithful you don't trust me but i am faithful and true therefore what i will do is that i will see that you don't go back to egypt but i will also see that you don't enter into the land of promise instead you will just wander in life and die and the only reason they wandered in life and died is because when their faith was tested it was found it was not genuine just not genuine and that's why it is so important because what happened to this church is that you know what they had their fire had gone out okay they were never tested okay they didn't allow themselves because you need to understand without faith it is impossible to please god so god is not pleased with this church at all so the faith that is genuine must and has to go through fire in proverbs 17 and verse 3 this is what the bible says the refining pot is for fire and the furnace for gold but the lord tests the hearts so you'll realize i told you everything whether it is love faith loyalty everything is from the heart you can increase it with your mind increase it with your mind like i trust god then you can increase it by learning more about god like we all the songs that we sing is it from the heart or is it from the lips our god is awesome everybody says our god is awesome but how do you know god is awesome one it is there in the word of god you look through the history has real history of people and nations and see wow he is really awesome and then you try to apply it to your own life and you will lot of things like i like i said there lot of things we will see in life not always only, only when you walk by faith okay not by sight if you are walking by faith lot of things about god you will only find it true in retrospective effect you won't find it then it is not faith if i find god is god has told me something and i find what he's saying is perfect now then it is sight but by faith you receive it like when you look at joseph god gave him two dreams and he believed and he stood but then after that becomes 13 years of torment and torture okay 
So first he obeyed because he believed God was good. And then when he is sold, he has to live by faith and his faith pleases God. But one day when he spit up from the dungeon, he never in his wildest dreams ever expected that to happen. He stood before Pharaoh, interpreted the dream, gave wise counsel and he raised up to number two. He realized God's way was perfect. 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 All of us, if we obey God by faith and go through all the trials and the testings without seeing anything, one day in heaven when he raises up, we will realize his way was perfect. But for that you need faith. You need faith. You have to be able to trust God. Able to trust God. And that is the faith which is God is going upon. The problem with this church is this. The church has become rich. They say we have wealth. We need nothing. This is what Jesus is always talking about. You cannot serve God and money. Because money actually replaces God in so many areas of our life. It replaces God in our life. Because when you say God is my provision, but I buy provision with my money. With my money. Everything which I need in this life, almost everything is bought with money. With money. So, it is so difficult for a man of God, unless God tests him constantly to see that my trust is not on money, my trust is on God. That is why whenever God calls any man to do anything in the Bible or in life, it is usually impossible with money. It's not possible with money. It's not possible with money. That is where it begins. How is Abel able to enter into God's presence? Because you cannot enter with hard work or with money. You need blood. You need blood. You need blood. If you don't have blood, you cannot enter into God's presence. So Abel shows us a way. And how can Enoch walk with God? You cannot walk with God with anything unless you agree with God. And you can agree with God only by faith. How can Noah build? Only by faith. So everywhere when God is see, it is difficult to walk with your own spouse, whom you can see, whom you can talk to, whom you can counsel, whom you can, all kinds of things you can do. How do you walk with God whom you cannot see? It is impossible. It is simply, when you cannot walk with whom you can see, you struggle, everyone struggles with their walk with their spouse, husband with wife, wife with husband, parents with children, children with parents, boss with their employees, employees, everybody is struggling to walk with whom you can see. How can you walk with somebody who can you cannot see? It's impossible. Okay? So if it is impossible, you need faith. You need faith. If you don't need faith, you need Money. <laughs> you need money. So you need to realize when uh, disciples say, increase our faith on this side, the devil say, increase your money. And that's what happened to this church. The churches, we have rich, we have rich, we have increased in wealth and we have no need of anything. So the Bible says, the refining, so every one of them you will realize will 
come to that point. I mean, riches is not an issue. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, because we need money, but the question is that you have to be very, very careful. I don't want to be like Singh and all who said, I see people who received the gifts of the Holy Spirit became proud, therefore I don't want gifts. But you cannot really function without gifts. Okay, so you don't throw the baby with the bath water. The whole idea is not that I don't need money. I need to be very, very careful where my heart is. So Lord, when the money, but you know Lord, you know me better than I know myself. If you think money, will destroy me in the long run, then Lord, you guard me from that. Guard me from that. That is the whole thing, because God knows. God knows us. Okay. So, here you will see, the Lord tests the hearts. Okay. God is testing. Abraham at Genesis 22 is the richest man on planet Earth. One of the richest men on planet Earth. He is really, really rich. And God tests his heart. Because he said, take your son, your only son. The Bible actually says in 22 verse 2, God tested Abraham. He was testing his heart. Okay, Because you see, now it came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham. And Abraham said, okay, so everywhere you will see, man says, here I am to God. Um, son says, here I am to the father. Father says, here I am. So everybody is laying down their lives here. Everybody. Okay, that's why Ephesians will say, 22 will say, submit to one another in the fear of the God. So God says, and some Abraham says, here I am. Later the son asks, some father says, here I am. Then when the father ties him to the altar, the son says, here I am. So this is how it works, but God is testing. God is, you see, you need to realize, when you are rich, and when you are old, when you are rich and when you are young, it's a different story. <laughs> you want to have a blast like the prodigal son. Okay? But when you are rich and when you are old, what you want is a son. What you want is a son. Otherwise, riches have no meaning. Abraham, I am your ex- I am your shield and exceedingly great reward. He says, what's the point? I am childless. I will die. And Eliezer will take all this. I don't have, have any issues with Eliezer taking it, but I have nothing to show that it's my own son who inherited all this. So God doesn't touch his riches. He says, take your son. Take your son. That's where your heart is. I heard you in Genesis 15. I heard you. Okay. I heard you in Genesis 15. And Abraham, I have to, I'm going to test you the second time. First time I told you to throw your first son out. Because your heart was yoked to him. Now I'm asking you to sacrifice your second son. Your only son, I acknowledge. Okay? And then you will realize it works. It works. So in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, this is how it works. Behold, I sent my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. There are two messengers, one in small m and another is in big m. The small m is me, the one who preaches the word of God, John the Baptist. We are all preachers, we are small messengers. But when, if you are seeking God, the big messenger will suddenly come into your heart. That is the Holy Spirit, the messenger of the covenant, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But how will he come? Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Why? <coughs> he is like a refiner's fire. 
He comes in like a refiner's fire. And verse 3 says, no, he will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. He wants to purify everybody. Everybody. Because he cannot purify everybody. What is Levi is that Levi gave themselves over to the Lord. So if you give yourself over to the Lord, then he will purify you. Because he will not touch our free will. Because he gave us our free will. Therefore, it is sacred. So he says, you offer yourself. Paul is begging. In the light is of light of the mercies of God, I beseech you, brethren, please. He says, I can't do that. I only did it for myself. I can't make anybody do that. He says, you have to voluntarily do it. That's why we, when we, when we raise our children, when they are small and small and small, we make them do things. But as they grow older and older, we release them. Because we know that it will not make a lifelong change if we make them do it. They have to now do it on their own. Otherwise, leave. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. It doesn't make any difference. Doesn't make it. That's what we see with um, Jesus when they were small, packed them all like sardines in autos, and this thing took them all to church. And they all came for every meeting. And they grew up older. We released them, and you will realize they won't do it. But that has to be the truth. They need to realize on their own. One day, if they on their own start coming, you know it has worked. It has worked. Otherwise, like Pastor Vijay says, it about math and not about the Bible. One day when he says Abigail taking the math book, he knows he has succeeded. Till then, he can hammer them and this thing and that thing and this thing and that thing. No. But one day when she takes it, but that's the same thing with God. Okay, one day, one day, one day. Okay, so, the whole thing is that he refines though that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Why? Because their heart has been purged. There is nobody, nothing else in the heart, only God. Every other affections have been removed. There is only God. That is what God is doing with Abraham. I want to show, I know you, but the enemies don't know you. They are like the ones, Satan, who came to Job, um, God said, ah, who will not worship you if you prosper him like that? You prospered him in everything. Put ahead, God's a remote. I'll show. I know, I know my man. I know my man. So a lot of people say, I am never tested because God, I will say, because God cannot remove the heads from you. Because I know you. So I'm just keeping you, protecting you. Nothing is happening in your life. You think you're so good and obedient. He says, no, I know you are disobedient, but I love you. And I know I take the heads, you are gone. You're gone. But others, I can test them because I know their heart is stayed on me. They will not depart from me. They will cling to me like Job and say that even if you slay me, yet I will serve you. So we need to, so we don't, you have to get everything from the word. What does God say? Because this is a church who thought they were the cat's whisker. And Jesus comes and says, I know your works. Now who's speaking the true witness? Okay, what is outside and what is inside are completely different. Okay, so what does the enemy do? Do with, we are talking to believers. Okay, what does the enemy do? The enemy takes, I remember, like, you know, you are a different generation. I'm, I'm a different, completely different generation because of where I grew up. But I know in the night, after everything was over, because we didn't have gas or kerosene or anything, it was always fireplace. Okay? What my mother used to do is that she used to pull the logs out. 
Okay. If you pull the logs out, you know, separate and log, the fire will die on. They don't pour water. We will try to pour water. That you put on a campfire. You don't put that on a kitchen fire. Because the next morning you want to light the fire, the whole fireplace will be wet. So you just put the log out and it will slowly die off its own. Or you come in the morning, there will be the embers still over there. And you blow, put it back and blow, it will come back. Now, what the enemy does is that he just removes the wood away one log at a time. Because the fire go has to keep burning. You need the wood. You need the wood. That's what one law. Quiet. Okay. He he. The enemy is very diff, very dangerous. If you have seen all these crime movies and all this thing, now where they have stolen these precious jewels or crown, that fellow what he does it that he studies it all entirely. See if he's going to steal a crown, he has the whole picture, everything, and he makes a fake one. Looks exactly like that one. He finds it all and finally he gets the combination, comes in the night, going through every security. He removes the original, keeps the fake inside. And he goes. For weeks and months, they don't discover what is there inside his fake. Then one day, by some chance, they discover it is fake. They have no clue when this happened. And the fellow has already gone. He's broken the crown into 1500 pieces, sold it in parts. It's all gone. Okay. So the devil, what he does is, he not only removes, he replaces. This is the danger part. Okay. Because you need to realize, this church has been removed and it has been replaced. That is why they are not aware. It has been replaced. What does it that? We never stop praying. But the prayer which was once God-focused has now become self-focused. And because we do not stop praying, and probably we pray for longer hours than before, we do not realize we have been deceived. Earlier when we are God-focused, we fasted for two days and we prayed intensely. Now we are self-focused, we fast for 21 days and pray longer. And because length has changed, we don't realize something inside has been replaced. That is how the devil deceives. Devil deceives. So every time when we talk about prayer, even this week, I said, how do you pray? At the core of it, what is your prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is seven. Do you really mean it? If you really mean it, all that is happening has to happen because without it happening, kingdom cannot come. How can Israel not be attacked if before his kingdom comes? Before his kingdom, all the things which you are seeing has to happen. Now, are you praying for this to go away or are you praying for this to happen. If you are praying for this to go away, you are self-focused. If you are praying for Lord, this will happen. Lord, but spare your children. Okay? So, you need to understand how the enemy works. He will he will not leave it empty. See, if I don't pray at all, I don't come to church at all, I don't read my word at all, and I don't serve anything at all, I also will know there is something wrong with me. Because I know the word. I know what the word demands. The word demands I pray. Okay, the word demands I pray. I'm not praying, so I know I'm not praying. The word demands I read the word. But the problem is, earlier when I read the word, I was looking for Christ. Now when I read the word, I'm looking for self. What is there in it for me? It's very simple. It's from word God-focused to self-focused. 
When earlier it was fellowship, it was God focused. But now it is self focused. So you are looking for groups of people who are interested in what you are interested in, not what God is interested in. Oh, you are Jesus able to fellowship with children. What are you going to get from children? Because he was interested in what God was interested in. Why is he able to eat with the tax collectors and the prostitutes? Because he is interested in what God is interested in. Okay, But the Pharisees were not. And the disciples were not. So you will realize the focus changes. That is how the fire goes out. He just, he just, just juggles it around from God to self in everything. And when it comes to judgment, the Bible says, we judge ourselves so that we are not condemned with the world. The thing is that we just turn it around. Now we don't judge ourselves. We are busy judging others. We are still judging and we are very good judges. Excellent judges. Only thing we are not judging ourselves, we are judging others. Judging others. You know what happens? In the process, what we do not realize is, what Thessalonians says, we quenched the fire of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is fire. We quenched the fire of the Holy Spirit because what is happening here is, Replacement. And that is where God goes, zeroes always into the heart. God looks at the heart. Okay, God looks at the heart. If you look at 3.17, Revelation 3.17, you will see the outside view and the inside view. Okay? Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing. Okay? That is the outside view. They have no, God looks into the heart and says, you know your heart? And look, you are actually wretched. You are miserable, you are poor, you are blind, and you are naked. Only thing is that you don't know it, I know it. He goes right into the heart of the matter. God doesn't look at the outside first. Remember what he told Samuel, right? God doesn't look at the heart, he looks at the heart. We look at the outside, and this church is so self-congratulatory. See, we have so many activities, we do everything, our church is full, offering is full, activities are full, fellowship is great. God says, you know what, deep inside you are dead. Your core is dead. If you know, I know most of you were not even born, or you were maybe babies then. In 1988, I was still around, okay, 1988, that Olympics, remember when Ben Johnson of Canada broke the Olympic record? Everybody went haywire. Canada erupted in because 100 meters, see, if the, all the Olympic sports, everything, 100 meter dash men's is the pinnacle. That's what everybody is waiting for. Ben Johnson broke the record. And the people, nation, stadium, everything erupted. But the judges were looking at something else because when his blood samples came in, they found he had taken steroids. So he was disqualified. He was disqualified. And he went back to Canada in disgrace and shame because the people looked at the outside. The judges looked at something that came from inside. The blood report tells something else. That is what God is talking about here. He says, this is the outside picture. I am the only one who can give a true picture of your heart. You know what your heart is? If I were to judge you now, he says, I'm not judging you now. I'm just telling you what where you are. A judgment is kept for another day. If you repent and change, fine, you can overcome, you can rule with me. But I'm telling you, like they keep on saying, if you go by the polls now, if you like today's number the third, right? We have just a year and two days or year and a week 
for the next American elections. If the elections were held today, Trump would win in a landslide. But the question is, one more year is left. Judgment is not now. Judgment for another date, election judgment is decided on. So all these opinion polls really do not matter. What will matter will what will happen on that day. Okay, so God is telling this church, I'm not judging you now. I'm giving you a evaluation. If I were to judge you now, this is where you stand. This is where you stand. You are empty. Okay, you are empty. The reason why was Ben Johnson disqualified? Because when they judged the report that came from inside, it was found he was false. Okay, so this is their indictment. They have no fire. They have no fire. And like I said, we are called to buy three things to buy. But the first of it is gold or faith refined in fire. Okay, faith refined in fire. And in Galatians 5, 6, okay, Paul puts it across. For an overcomer, this is the most powerful words. But everything else avails anything. But faith working through love. Okay, there are two things we have to understand in, uh, because unlike religion, uh, unlike religion, um, religion always looks at the visible. You need to understand, religion always looks at the visible. Faith looks at the invisible because it's got to do with relationship. So you will realize we need to under, we are not, uh, we need to understand uh, why a Hindu needs an idol. Because religion needs an idol. Because you need the visible. You need a visible. Why the Muslim has to do certain things five times a day? Because you need something visible. Tangible, visible. They need some. Religion always needs something visible. But faith doesn't work like that. Faith doesn't work like that. So when it comes to here, in relationship terms, there are two important words. One is faith, which is trust. And the other is love. Now, you can trust somebody without loving them. You can trust somebody. You know, there are a lot of workers whom I really trust. I don't have to necessarily love the mother and the love of God. I'm not talking about that. There are a lot of people, mostly Gentiles. You can actually trust them. Because when they work, they work for money and they can be trusted. They will give a base worth of work. Work. But when you come to a Christian, he will not neither give you a pace uh, <laughs> to your work, nor, and then he will use love as the reason why he does. You are judging me after all, I am your brother. <laughs> brother, it doesn't work like that, brother. Okay, they will bring this. Br- hmm? So, honestly, that's been it. So, trust is God to do. Uh, you can trust somebody without loving. Okay? And you also can love somebody without trusting them. And we all love our children without trusting them. I mean, and we don't. They cannot be trusted. Honestly, because they're children. They're ignorant and they're weak. Okay? It's, it's not an indictment. It's a truth. How can you trust a baby? You wouldn't leave a baby alone. Why? Oh, it's a baby. Because you cannot trust. The baby may just stumble over and fall down. It doesn't have the capacity to handle ourselves. So trust is not freely given. Trust has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. So you can trust without loving. You can love without trusting. But what happens if you bring these two together? We can love somebody and you know that person will never break your trust. Think about that. 
You can love this person and this person will never break your trust. You can realize it is an, it is what? It's dynamite. It is dynamite. Now honestly, God in his entire working with man only found one man like that. That was Jesus. He found. God could love his son with all his heart and could trust him to go to the cross and die. You could only find one man. So that's why Jesus is the paradigm. That's the paradigm. Okay? So he was somebody God could trust and he was somebody God could love. Okay? Now that's why everything we have to go back to Jesus and to see how do I keep this fire without letting it down, letting it go down. In the Song of Solomon. Okay? This is the bride of Christ. Okay? The woman speaking to Solomon, the bride of Christ. Chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. Song Solomon 8, 6 and 7. Set me as a seal upon your heart and as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Now, two seals are there. Okay, Put me as a seal in your heart. Can it be seen? No. Put me a seal on your arm. Can it be seen? Yes. Okay? So, this bride is talking. This is a bride who inside and outside has become the same. Put me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy as cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utter. Totally despise. So the comparison here is love and death. And the thing is that death in human experience is the most powerful entity we will face. Because death never fails. Everyone will die. It doesn't matter whatever you do. You cannot escape death unless Jesus comes and you are blessed to be part of it. In the same way, the Bible says... No one can stop one loving another. Even the other person cannot stop it. That's why we say in him, Dil to pagal ho gaya. It is pagal. How can you stop? The other person says, I don't care, I don't like you, don't talk to me, I don't want to see your face, but you cannot stop love. That is what humanity did for 6,000 years. We don't care, we don't want you, we want all this, but God kept on loving man. Why is God standing there with arms upstretched to a nation which rejects him? He didn't fold his hands. He still kept his says all day long. Because this is the nature of love. So you need to realize, death and love, there are so many similarities. Death will come and you cannot stop death. And you cannot, this is where a lot of, lot of parents struggle when they hear, Oh, my son has fallen in love, my daughter has fallen in love. They start panicking because they know the nature. You cannot stop it. You cannot stop it. That is why then security is hired to see the girl is stopped from going to college. Everything goes, you know, she will run away. And we hear stories, they run away. Okay? So what the parents try to do is they try to counsel. Look, 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 look. This is the nature of the boy. Nature of the boy. You see, we did entire research on a boy and his family is like this, is this thing. It will not go well with you. They are trying to make her understanding that if you invest your love in him, you are going to suffer. But she will still say, but I still believe in him. 
He will change for my sake. Now we will talk about Eros really, but at the core of it, the nature you need to realize the Song of Solomon is the word of God and it is it's as strong as death. Okay, as strong as death. And then what happened is, this is, because we say in English, right, neither time nor distance can change love. Can change love. I've, you know, I've seen, including my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law died when my wife was 11 years old. Yeah, my father-in-law died when my mother, my wife was 11 years old and she refused to get married all the days of her wife because she carried in her heart the love for her, for her husband. And there were many proposals and she said no to every one of them. She was a young widow. She refused. Yeah, she was 50. She died at 82. 82, right? 83, 82. She remained. Why? Because she said no. So time and distance doesn't make. There are a lot of people who go like that. That's it. Not going anywhere. This is it. This is the nature of it. And then what happens? Now we are talking about God's kind of love. In love, there is a nature of God. Because why does man love? Because man was created in the image of God. Why does man trust? Because man was created in the image of God. Why is man, we talk about loyalty. We don't talk about loyalty with dogs. We don't talk about loyalty with cats. Dogs can change their loyalty. If you take your dog and give it to somebody, he goes and feeds it. Well, after that, he will change your loyalty from him to you. Okay, dogs too to change because I gave my dog away and the dog is very loyal. He lived with the other person and died. Okay, so dogs they can change because it's a human kind of loyalty is something. Okay, so because we are created in the image of God. So when we, why is that we can trust God and we can love God? Because we see that in Christ. If you go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, verse 8 and verse 10. For we were still without strength and in due time Christ died for the ungodly. So two things. I was weak. I was ungodly. What did Christ do? He just didn't live for me. He did. He died for me. When you come to verse 8, what was the reason? Why did he die for me? For God demonstrates his own. That was the reason. We know what Christ did. But often we forget, why did he do that? So if you look at everything Christ did it, you look into the heart of it. It was this. He loved us. He loved us. Remember that was the indictment with the first church also. They had come. It's not they had lost their love. They had did not lost. They had lost, left their first love. And God says, if I am not first, I am nothing at all. This is the way it works with God. If I am not first, I am second, close, second, close to first. It doesn't work for you. You will be saved. But I am talking to you about rewards. The whole letters are written about rewards. You may be saved, he says, but you know, I will not be able to reward you in eternity. For me to reward you in eternity, even in your love, I have to be first. I have to be first. Okay? So that's where the question comes. So, so God is putting Christ as the paradigm. So the question is, when these two comes, Faith and love comes together. You will realize the fire never goes. So you have to do two things. You have to feed your faith and you have to feed your love. Now, in human experience, no, it doesn't work like that. Human experience is, doesn't work like that because it's very erratic. Because 
if you have to in, if somebody has to increase in their trust for me then i have to be trustworthy okay and if somebody has to love me more then i have to be a loving person the reason why somebody loves Okay, somebody reason. That's where the character comes important. Okay, if you give children a lord, I've seen this happen um, in homes that is where this conflict takes place. I remember there was a mother who was godly and the father uh, reprobate, and they had one son, and the father literally destroyed the son by giving him money, which the mother couldn't afford to give. Gave him money, gave, and the father, the son thought because he was young, my father loves me so much, father loves me so much, loves you. And he refused to listen to the mother, go to church where the mother used to come and cry, pastor, would you pray, would you pray, would you pray? So you need to realize when you are a kid, you will think the one who gives you all these things are the ones who love you. Loves you. Loves you. So you need to understand what God is talking about. How did God demonstrate his own love for us that while we were yet sinless, weak, ungodly, he died for us. So if I can increase my faith, because that's the cry of the disciples, increase our faith. Okay, increase our faith and increase our love, then the fire will keep burning. Now we need to understand, after we believe, the purpose of the reading, the studying, the hearing of the word of God is to increase to these two things. You can increase in faith. But the problem is that, the indictment is that you can increase in your faith and not increase in your love. That's why we were looking at a series on love. What, what does love do? What does love do? Because faith can do, faith's works are different. Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about the works of faith and I don't see many loving people in that chapter. Many loving people in the chapter, except Moses and all that. Most of them are not loving people because faith can do incredible works. But the works of love are not the same. And God is talking about getting these two together. How do I increase my faith? By studying the word of God. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. It says, oh God did this with Abel. God did, God did, God did, God did. And you hear the testimonies of different people. Like I went on the general meeting. I gave testimonies of how impossible things become possible. So what happens? You increase your faith. Now we need to understand something about faith. The simple thing to understand faith is, faith is like money. A lot about rich people, it's not that they don't have problems, they have problems, bigger problems than us, but they know they can handle it because they have the money. So their problem is not the problem, the issue is do you have the money or not. If you have the money, you can handle your problem. In the same way, the issue with many believers is not the trouble they face, it's because they don't have faith. So God says, increase your faith. Increase your faith. Like so many issues in life, people in the world, when they make choices, do they like so many things, want to do so many things, they are not able to make the choices because they don't have the money. If they had the money, they would have chosen everything differently because they didn't have the money. So God says, okay, you what? No, this world will be like that until I come back. It's going to be an unjust, unfair world. Some will have more money, some most will have no money at all. But those who are poor have made them rich in faith. So it's an equalizer. So God is saying, increase your faith. So when you realize that, I look at troubles in my own life and I look back and have a crossed over, I realize that even with money, the kind of stuff which I faced, I could have never crossed it, but it was because of faith. Because some of the stuff which I faced, there was nothing money could have done. 
Absolutely nothing money could have done. You are standing in, in, in a place where you are not allowed to be going to preach in a church. The system does not even know exists. And there are border guards standing over there. And you are standing, all my money is not going to help me to get through and preach. It was faith that worked. God blinded their eyes. So God is talking about, so we are looking at troubles and trials. The problem is, God is giving us all a season to grow our faith. He has kept people, but he says a trial is going to come upon all who are on the earth. Nobody will escape. Nobody will escape. Because this is like like Noah's time. When it came, it is going to come upon everybody and only those who had faith, that was eight people, escaped. Nobody is going to be exempt from what is coming on earth. So God is saying, increase your faith, increase your faith, increase your faith, increase your faith. And the very things God is allowing to happen in our lives through which our faith can increase, we fight those things. So God says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad when you go through trials and testings of various kinds because it is what? The testing of your faith. Testing of your faith. And in the testing of your faith, the re- how do you know your faith has been tested and it has been proven? Because what it produces in your heart is the patience that comes from love. You are patient. When things don't go your way, nothing is happening. You are still patient. Because you realize, behind this delay, God has a reason. God doesn't have to explain everything to me. There is reason behind this delay. So how do you know your faith has been tested, proven? What is the result in your life? The result in your life is in your heart, in your character. You become a patient person. You're patient. You're working. I'm willing to wait. People will mock and say, how long, how long, how long? But you said, as long as it takes for God. I am not the one who decides time. He is the one who decides time. This is where the test comes. Faith has to be tested. Love has to be tested. Love's test is not patience. Because faith also has patience. Love's test, even when you are patient, are you kind? That is love's test. Faith's test produces patience. When love is tested in the same situation, are you kind? Because a lot of people in the kingdom of God, in the Old Testament, were patient, but they were unkind. They were unkind. Gideon was grateful to God for being patient with him, but he was not patient with the others who didn't help him. He was not kind to them. He was very unkind to them. So love's test is that it's not just patience. While you are being patient, are you being kind or are you being unkind? So we need to realize what is God. If you go to First Peter chapter 7. For chapter 1 and verse 7 and then verse 8. If you look at it, Peter, this is just the Holy Spirit. How can, how can otherwise what Paul is talking about and James is talking about come through Peter in another way? But if the truth is the same, okay? Now that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor and glory at the revelation of us on that day. That is when it, everything, what is inside will come out that day. Nobody knows what is inside anybody. Even if we assume, presume, judge, it may be totally wrong. On that day, everything will come out. When it comes out, two things, verse 8 is the key. Having whom, having not seen you, your love is true. Though you do not see him, yet you, your faith is true. 
It's so beautiful how every apostle through the Holy Spirit puts the same truth in different ways. It says, it's your love and your belief, your love and your trust, your love and your faith that has to be proven genuine on that day. That you may, you may not see it here at all. But you will never be disappointed on that day. On that day. On the other hand, here is a church who's seen it all outside. We are rich. We have increased. We have wealth. We have need no nothing. He says, you know what? You are on for a rude awakening if I were to judge you today. You have neither faith nor do you have love. Your fire has gone. You are lukewarm. You make me sick. I want to spit you out. That's what he is talking about. So this is where ultimately it will come to. So this is where we have to be very, very careful. Let us quickly go through. And this is what happened to the church in Laodicea in First John chapter 2, 15 and 16. Okay. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We know this very well. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What he says is that outwardly they will look the same. Outwardly, you may have even more zeal. Okay, but inwardly it is different. Inwardly, in one case it is love, the other case it is lust. The difference between, whenever we use the lust, don't think sex. That is not what it means. The difference is love is a denial of self. Lust is an exalting of self. You are doing it for yourself. You are not doing it for the other. You will only do if it pleases you and you profit, it, it profits from you. That is the difference between love and lust. What is the nature of love? It denies self. It lays down itself in the interest of the other. What is the difference between lust and love? Lust will not deny itself. It will not deny itself. It will exalt self and will do it only, even if it benefits the other, it will only do it if it benefits self. Otherwise it will not do it. It will not do it. That is why to deny, to, to kill lust, the self, is why God says, do a lot of things in secret. And then I will make it public. Once you have dealt consistently, like, like Joseph, dealt consistently in the secret, 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 self-stamped self out, God says, I will put you in public. Everybody will know this is who you are. It is not that forever you will be public, in secret. You don't have to do everything in secret. You have to learn to do it until self is dead. Okay? So you may be praying. In secret, 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 secret. One day God will make it public. Daniel prays in public. The whole law is, man has been thrown into the lion's den. He will come out of the lion's den without having nothing to be touched. You know what? His prayer life has been made public. Even the king says, Daniel, oh Daniel, whom you serve, your God. His prayer life is public. For thousands of years, everybody when they talk about Daniel, they talk about his prayer life. Why? It is made in public because he had an entire life of praying in secret. Because crushing self, then that is the difference between love and lust. And that is what God is talking about here. Because God says, if you look at verse 17, chapter 3 and verse 17, we will realize. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have no, have need of. This is true. Outwardly. 
If you think you can become rich and become wealthy, wealth is more than riches, wealthy, okay? And you have no need of nothing. If you think you can reach that point without fire, without zeal, it's not possible. You need zeal. You need passion. Everyone who has achieved anything in life, they had fire and zeal, but it was not for God. Every successful person in the world had passion, they had zeal, they had fire. But God says, you know what? On the day of judgment, another fire is coming. When your works will be tested by fire, it will be all burnt up. All burnt up. So he's saying, it's not that this church is not zealous. It's not zealous. They are not zealous for God. They are not zealous for God. And many Christians, if you look at them, it is not they are not zealous. Because if you look at a fellow who is successful in nothing, he has no zeal. Zeal. But anybody who is successful, you knew he had zeal. In sports, in music, in fine arts, in politics, in everywhere they had zeal. And they succeeded. But here, that's not the point. The point is something else. So, as we come to the final conclusion for today, Colossians chapter 3, 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ, as set your hearts on things above. So there are things below and there are things above. Do not love the world or the things. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of another translation will actually use in verse 2. Set your affections on things above, not on earthly things. That is the key. He says, you know what, you can love on other. Feet be firmly planted on planet earth. But but the question is, where you raised with Christ? Do you believe you are raised with Christ? Where are your affections? Where is your heart? Okay. Final verse for today is First Kings chapter 11 and verse for this I got only at 8.45 while I was on that scooter. First Kings chapter 11 and verse 4. So it was when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. This was, this is revelation connected on the, on the scooter from Bhavanpali to Alwal. Two people are mentioned here. One is David, one is Solomon. Spiritually we are not David because David is a type of Christ. Spiritually we are called to be a type of Solomon, David's inheritors. Okay. This did not happen when Solomon was young. This happened when Solomon was old. But this is what the Lord said. David had a good son. It took 300 wives and 600 concubines and age to turn his heart away from his God. He said, a wife is to whom you have a commitment. A concubine is one to whom you have an attachment. It took 900, 300 commitments and 600 attachments for him and age for to turn his heart. He was not a bad man as you think. But even the strongest man will turn from me if he has commitments and attachments and not me first. Think about it. What are your commitments? What are your attachments? That will ultimately, you know, this, the Gulliver's Travels. If you have read Gulliver, the first part of Gulliver's Travels, he goes to the land of the Lilliputs and he is a giant. 
but they get him drunk and then they tie him up they tie him up with little twine they put little little pins for us it is like pins and they tie him up and he's not able to move god says do you know what that story is it is how you have so many commitments you have so many attachments and when your age get old what happens you know what even the giant will be brought down the thing is that you know what what happened is that his heart was not loyal to his god loyal to god that is how you are stand down he says be be very careful because everything is in the heart loyalty is in the heart faith is in the heart love is in the heart and the fire is in the heart fire is in the heart and one man last verse for today okay and we shall stop two more verses and shall stop numbers 14:24 mat see he talks joshua kelab joshua kelab in chapter 28 and then he narrows down to kill but my servant kelab because he had a different spirit in him has followed me fully and i will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it okay if you look at all the promises for all of israel of the second generation only to kelab alone is one specific promise given because his heart he was absolutely stayed so later when the apostles he will say i spied the mountain land i wanted god said i'll give it to you i wanted if you look at it the entire conquest of the promised land only to one man and his family is a specific place given and only because of his heart the rest are general promises to tribes to an individual in the partition of israel the promised land to an individual a specific thing is marked out and kept that is gallops and if you look at it the reason is because of his heart okay now the final verse for today is revelation 3:19 read that again as many as i i rebuke god says to this church i see your works there is nothing i'm pukish You're lukewarm. I want to vomit you out, but I still love you. I still love you. That is why we say this is an awesome God. The question is, if this is your true judgment of a person or a judge, how can you still love them? The answer is, love is still as strong as death. Okay, still, God says, I don't trust you at all. But I still love you. I don't trust you at all. I don't trust you. I'm outside. I'm knocking to get it. But I still love you. I still love you. That is the awesomeness of God. That is why we love Him. I mean, because our world mindset, the way the world has crept in, is we only love the lovable. we only love only was people who can feed into something into us but the love of god is that he loves people who can do nothing for him and who actually bring shame to his name okay shame make his name a dishonor in the heavens and he still says that's why he says i have loved you with an everlasting love and we look at it in our age our our age it is right there 
Israel is literally fighting in human terms an ex- existential battle. They are alone. The Biden administration is playing the prank on them, playing the, because that's why they are they are really the back against the wall because they don't have anybody for them because they need America. Britain and Sunak and all saying is useless because they are not giving them any weapons. You need to you have the guns, but you need the ammunition. Ammunition comes from U.S. So U.S. says ceasefire. They have to drag their feet because you cannot fight without America. Okay, so America is basically twisting their arm from behind their back. They are literally fighting for their survival, but yet they cannot be destroyed because God still loves them with an everlasting love. That's the only reason God loved Abraham, He loved Isaac, He loved Jacob, and made an everlasting covenant with them. And therefore, when it comes to the point, a point will come in Israel's history where it will. Actually, look, they've all been gathered. They are finished. They are finished. It's over. Israel will be wiped out of the map on earth. Christ will step in. And he says, I will personally step in. You will mourn over me. You will cry over me. And I will receive you back. You will all become believers. You will all become messianic Jews. And I will rule over you. That is the end of your trials and tribulation. Because you have looked at me in faith, in love. And you have cried. So, this is playing before us. So when we are talking about faith and love, we are looking at right before our eyes. It is being placed. God made a promise to an old man called Abraham in the promised land. Still playing out. So the question is, can we trust God? Yes. For thousand years later, because God made a vow, a covenant with an old man, can you trust God? Yes, you can trust God. Because even when we are unfaithful, He is still faithful. Second, can we love Him? What did He do? He laid down His life on the cross for us. So can we love Him? Faith and love comes together. God says, your fire will never go out. And keep feeding into it. Keep the wood into the fire. Keep feeding the word so that your faith in me increases. And meditate on me, the person, and your love for me will mm. that the devil knows that it's very dangerous. So what does he do? He weaves these dreams of this world around us and it's full of dreams. God says, Don't love the world or the things in the world. What will happen is the love of the Father will slowly go. And you won't even know it. Because you will see I'm very jealous. But you don't realize. Devil is the one who believes in replacement theology. <laughs> in the world we have this replacement church has replaced Israel. No, he's very good. He simply replaces the world. Our passion, our zeal, our faith, our trust, our love all into that world. And he does it very quietly. We still pray. We still read the word. We still serve, we still work hard, we still fellowship. All you have to do is look at this and God comes there and says, you know what? Are you Ben Johnson? Are you running on steroids? <laughs> Let's have Peter. Let's pray. We shall not quit. Evil verses in the Bible. One is uh, Hebrews eleven thirty-five. No, keep keep meditating on the verses. You will still see something over there. Women received the dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they may obtain what? 
key is the word better. Meaning God always gives you something better. He will never give you bad. He is not satisfied with good. You will always. So you look at these people and say, Oh boy, they died. Their children died. But he says, No. I had something better for them. <laughs> this is why we have to believe what God tells you, Jeremiah. The plans that I have for you are good. It's always better with God. It's always better. You walk with God, it's never. Even when they, by faith, refuse to accept deliverance, what they obtain is something better. That is our God. Yes, let's have Peter and then we shall pray. We hope the word has encouraged everyone out there. May God breathe upon his children. This morning, Father, once again we pray, Lord, breathe upon your people, Lord, the breath of life. You said, I said before you, life and death, blessing and curses. Choose life. You told Israel, I am your life. Yes. MQ and his family chose you. Yes. They have chosen life. Yes. Everlasting life. Yes, Lord. But now, Lord, the dear brother and his wife standing beside him, they're looking unto you. Yes, Lord. And you're standing in the gap and looking unto you, Lord. Breathe, Lord, upon them. The smell of death in that place. But you conquer death. Jesus. There is fear in that room. But if the apostles were gathered in fear and you came upon through the door and you breathed upon them, Lord, and said, Receive the Spirit. The very Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, He said, Shall quicken your mortal bodies. And I speak, Lord, into MQ. The very spirit that is in him that raised Jesus from the dead would quicken his mortal body, his lungs, his organs, every organ that was damaged. Breathe, Father. Breathe, breathe, breathe upon him, Lord. Breathe. Breathe. Breathe upon them. Breathe upon Ace, Lord. You told your disciples that day, peace. Breathe upon Ace that he may have rest and peace in his soul. Yes, Lord. Many, many are the enemies that are against him. Many are the battles he's fighting. But Lord, our battles are fought from peace, from rest. Because we know you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That you have won the war and you rejoice to see your children Win the battles. But that battles can be only won from peace. Rest. My peace I live with you is what you said. You You will have tribulation in this world is what you said. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. We are standing not in our victory. We are standing in your victory. Everyone Lord who is listening. Let them enter into that rest. That comes from the victory Christ won on the cross for us. For we are no longer under condemnation. The entire requirement of the entire law has been nailed on the cross. The law, nor the devil, has no hold over us. If we are disciplined, 
you discipline us. The Lord doesn't discipline us. The devil doesn't harm us. We are yours. Yours alone, oh Father. So breathe upon your children. Let there be a quickening inside them. Let the fire of God fall upon them. Be lit in them, Lord. Because where there is fire, there is light. Where there is fire, there is an opening of eyes. We will be able to see by faith that the one who promised is faithful. The one who promised is true. That even when he disciplines us, it's because he loves us. To the most reprobate of the seven churches, you come and say, whom I love. Laodicea is loved by Jesus. A fact missed by many. God Loves that lukewarm church. He says, repent. Be zealous again. To everyone out there who is lukewarm, God says, I love you. Turn. Be zealous again for me. Touch, Lord. Touch. Touch. It's 11th month. Our first prayer meeting here. Let the fire be kindled, Lord, in every heart. Yes, yes, Lord. That will burn ever higher, stronger. Because you said an everlasting commandment in the book of Leviticus to the church, to us men. The fire should never go out. Paul is telling Timothy, fan back to flames. The fire is still there, Timothy. But fear and shame has caused it to go down. You are afraid. You are ashamed because of my chains. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Fan back. Fan back. Because I was not ashamed for you on the cross. Though they stripped me. And I was not afraid of that pain. But the wrath of God falling upon me. Therefore do not be afraid or ashamed of me. Let the fire be kindled, Lord, again. Touch your children. Let our passion for God and for man never die down. For the entire fulfillment of the law is this one command. Love one another. As I have loved you. No greater love as a man than he who lays down his life. Help us to see through the trickery, the deception of the enemy. It is to pick up life and not to lay down. Today, we commit ourselves once again, Lord. Surrender once again our lives on the altar. The sacrifice is there. We bring the wood. But only, Lord, you can give the fire. You proved that on Mount Carmel. Elijah could do everything. He could build the altar. He could lay the logs. He could cut the animal and put it in order. He could even drench it all with water until the trench overflowed. But a fire, he can't bring. We can't bring. Only you can.
when your requirements are met, the fire will come. We have to do which only we can do. God won't do it for us. Then God will do what only He can do. The fire will come. Because the one who promised is faithful. Yes, Lord. All we can do at the end is what Elijah said, Lord, I have done everything according to your word. Now, Lord, prove yourself. You said fire will come. Fire will come. It will come. And after fire has consumed everything that is not of God, the rain will come. And it will be like a rain that the world cannot handle. And from that rain will arise a generation, the Elisha generation, who will never turn back. Because they are a product of fire and of rain. And God says, and he told Habakkuk, you will see a sight in your days, which if it were told to you, you would not believe. And we believe in these last days, the church will see a sight, which if it were told, we would not believe. A generation will rise. Jesus. A generation of Jacob. A generation who will declare Jesus like never before. Because they have been birthed in fire. And they have been birthed in water. Jesus. We believe. We believe. As the word over and over. When darkness comes. When terrible darkness covers the earth. Jesus. You said your light will come upon us. But that light cannot come where there is no fire. Because light is the result of fire. When darkness is covering this whole earth, there is a people rising. They have fire in their hearts. Therefore, His light will be upon them. We believe. We believe. For our families, for our children, for our churches. We believe around the world, for all those who are joined with us. We believe the day is coming. We believe. We believe. God who will light that fire. God who will cleanse us from within first. And then it will be seen without. And find us fire. We just thank you. Thank you, Lord. We believe, Lord, as we stand in the gap and cry out to you, you will shut the mouth of the lions, O oh Lord. You will quench the flames, O oh Lord. You will do it, Father, because you are faithful. Therefore, Father, we trust you. We love you, Lord. We just want to thank you, Father. Once again, Father, in this house, we lift up holy hands. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. And we declare always. Thine is the the kingdom, kingdom, the power, power and the the glory glory forever forever and and ever. ever. Amen. Amen.